Um, so hi. Hi, everyone at home. Not that we're tired of spending quality family time at home, but that's really the theme of every family over the last year, isn't it? Just tons and tons of quality time at home. And uh, we added in, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we really, we really were legit quarantining at home. And so as a, you're probably thinking, you know, well, Pastor Jeff, you're a pastor, so quarantining at home just means that you and the family gather for times of prayer and worship and extended times of Bible reading and all those times you think, if I just had more time to just sit and soak in the Word. And, uh, and there was some Bible reading, but mostly we as a family, and this, you know, isn't the most mature thing, but mostly we decided to watch all the Marvel movies all the way through. Now, when you say you're going to watch all the Marvel movies, like Thor and Captain America and all those things, and um, that's a commitment because there's a lot of them. If you followed it, you think, oh, this won't take long. That takes a commitment. So we, we, we've walked through, watched through most of those. That was how we spent the last couple of weeks. We are doing well. Everyone's feeling fine. They're just home today. Being, making sure we're on the side of caution as we're still kind of getting through the end of this virus. We're praying and believing that normal days will be ahead, but thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us and supporting us in, as a church as we move through this really unique season. So... Um, a couple other things. We wanted to just uh, say we had a great men's breakfast here yesterday. Anybody here that was at the men's breakfast? Yeah, a couple. Awesome. I don't know. Typical guys are probably like, if you came to the breakfast, you're like, well, that counts as church for this weekend, so I'm done. Um, but we had a great time. The Colonel Merricks, he spoke to the guys yesterday, really did a good job at just challenging the men of our church to, uh, to recognize that they have a call on their life, that it is a serious responsibility, this faith that we have in Jesus Christ to move forward, to own it, not just to, uh, to kind of sit back and, and be apathetic in our faith. So it was a great morning. All that to say, we would love to have you just get plugged in. If you have students here, if you are new here, we'd love to have you get them plugged into the youth group that meets on Sunday nights, mom's group throughout the week, all the things that, all the things that Stephen mentioned. Um, all right, we are wrapping up a series... Um, that we've been in for about six weeks now called Who Is This? Really going through the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible here today, we're going to be in the final chapter of Mark. Um, this is kind of a follow-up to Resurrection Sunday. It was, um, we did not enjoy not being here last weekend. Uh, we were home watching online. We were are so grateful. I just want to publicly thank Micah McDonald for coming on short notice and doing such a great job, both Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We had the bridge up here. Um, that was symbolizing, and the message was about this. Jesus is the bridge from death to life. He is the bridge between God and man. That The gospel message is this, that we, don't, we can't get to God in our own strength, no matter how good of a rule follower we are, no matter how good we are at going to church and saying all the, the churchy things. Um, but Jesus provided a way. He is the bridge between God and man. His death and resurrection is how we can have relationship with God. Micah did such a great job communicating that. And over the three services we had last Sunday, 32 people made a commitment to follow Jesus and to, fo- and to walk across the bridge, which was awesome. So it was, it was uh, fun to be able to watch that. We were bummed that we had to watch it online. But um, all that to say, we've had a lot of new people join us over the last few weeks. If you are new, I'd love to meet you after the service. So this series that we've been in, Micah last week talked about how Jesus made this claim, I'm the resurrection and the life. We talked throughout this series, if you're just joining us, we'll get you caught up, how through the Gospel of Mark you see so many times when Jesus is either teaching or leading or doing something where people 
would look at him and say, who is this? We've never seen anything like this. Week one, we talked about how he was one that spoke with authority. He had authority. He spoke as one who knew God, who, who knew the word of God. He spoke and the evil spirits would listen. He commanded evil spirits and they would be cast out. He was in a storm with the disciples. He commanded the storm to be calm and the storm was calm. All of those times, the disciples and whoever was around him all said, whoa, who, who's this guy? Who's this guy? We've never seen anything like this. Nobody's ever been able to do that before. Second week, we talked about how Jesus was a rule breaker and how I said that this was near and dear to my heart as a natural rule breaker. We've got rule followers and rule breakers in the room today. Um, Jesus was one where the religious leaders just over and over had their list of rules. They were ones that would say, you have to get to God by behaving all the right ways. And Jesus seemed to break all those rules. And I love his words that he spoke to the Pharisees, the religious rulers. And he, they would say, well, why are you eating with sinners? You're not supposed to do that. Why are you healing people on the Sabbath day? That's against the rules. You shouldn't be doing that. And you remember Jesus' response? It was, I'm here for those who need a Savior. The sick are the ones that need a doctor. The ones who are healthy don't need a doctor. I love that Jesus said, it's not about your rules. It's about people. It's about serving individual people. We learned in week three how Jesus, who even though he was one who had authority, he was one who taught to humbly serve one another. He was the first in history where a leader who had authority didn't see leadership over people as something to be kind of used to their own advantage, something to exploit other people. But he was the one, if in that day, if you were a leader, the last thing you would think you needed to be was humble. But Jesus came in and said, no, if you want to be a leader, you lead the way in humble service. This is what Jesus introduced to the world. Christy spoke week four where Jesus on Palm Sunday turned over the tables in the temple uh, and then last week we talked about Resurrection Sunday. So today we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping up the Gospel of Mark, looking at one final week. And really it's this idea, this question is, who is Jesus post-resurrection asking you and me? For us, coming out of an Easter Sunday, coming out of a salvation experience, what do we do with this faith in Jesus Christ? I always love following up Easter Sunday with kind of a now what message, because in the church world, we kind of think, well, you know, there's Christmas, and he was born, and then we study the life of Jesus, and then Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday is like, you know, the end of a Marvel movie that is about a half hour too long, all of them, but you, you learn this as you watch many, many of them. You kind of get to the end of the story, and we, we naively think, yes, we win, the good guys win, Jesus rose, roll credits, we're going to be in heaven, end of story. Well, the resurrection of Jesus is really the beginning of the story. It's the beginning of our church, the, the Christian church. It's the beginning of this whole movement. So I love following up Easter Sunday with kind of a now what? Now what do we do? Because certainly for the disciples, the message for them wasn't like, yay, we won. Story's over. It's okay, let's go. Let's begin the church. Let's begin this movement. So that's what we're going to be looking at today in Mark chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. The words will be up on the screen as we, as we read a few verses from Mark chapter uh, 16. And I want us to be thinking about this. In the story of resurrection, how the disciples moved forward from resurrection, I want us to be thinking about our own salvation experience. Not allowing it to be something like, I'm saved, end of story. But in other words, think of, okay, I have this salvation that we've been singing about today. I have received mercy. I have this faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what do we do with it? Because we live in a world where Jesus has 
defeated death and the grave and sin, because we are made right in God's eyes, because we have been called by Jesus in a great commission to go into all the world, what do we do with that? This is what I want us to be thinking about today. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We doing good? Doing good? Awesome. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. Okay. Mark chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. This is resurrection morning. You're thinking, wait a minute. It's not Easter. Why are we reading this chapter? But that's what we're going to start today. This is the morning of the resurrection. The ladies show up at the tomb looking to uh, bring some spices to treat the body of Jesus, and they find the tomb empty, and there is an angel in the tomb. And this is what he says to the ladies that are there. Mark 16, verse 6. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So those are the verses that we're going to look at today. And you might be thinking, well, that's not earth-shattering stuff. But there are things in there that I want to highlight as I was studying this week, there are three phrases in that second verse that really jumped out. Three points that we can have lead us into this understanding of what faith in Jesus looks like moving forward post-resurrection. So the first one is this, and we're going to kind of go in reverse order from here. So this first one has a phrase highlighted, the last phrase, just as he told you. But go tell his disciples and Peter he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. When the disciples would hear this, they would hopefully, and I believe they did, have an aha moment where they say, oh, yeah, and they look at each other. You know, sometimes, especially us guys, we can be a little slow where maybe we've heard things five, six, seven, eight times, and then finally something clicks like, oh, yeah, he did say this was going to happen, right? Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about how Jesus over and over, as the disciples and Jesus were getting more of a following and more fame and recognition was coming their way, Jesus over and over and over said, it's not about this. I'm going to be laying down my life. I'm going to be arrested and crucified and then rise again. And the disciples could not grasp it. They thought he was speaking metaphorically about something else, like maybe laying down my life in a... In a, in a metaphor way, like, like laying down my pride. That must be what he means kind of thing. This is what the disciples were wondering about. Well, now all of a sudden it happened, and the angel says to the ladies at the tomb that day, go and tell the disciples, this all happened just as he told you it would happen. And hopefully those disciples had a moment of, oh, yeah, he did say that. You know, they, they hopefully, and I believe the disciples did, they looked at each other and said, yeah, we should probably take seriously all the things that Jesus said, right? I think the disciples had a moment where they said, okay, well, let's look back because he totally called his death and resurrection. What else did he say? We should take seriously the things that he said. The angel is saying that day, you know the things that Jesus said? He really meant them. He really meant them. And not just stuff about the resurrection. Every word that Jesus spoke because of Easter Sunday, because of the empty tomb, Every word that Jesus spoke is validated when he rose from the dead. Not just because he predicted it would happen, but the disciples would then look and say, okay, well, what else did he say? We have the words and the teachings of Jesus in the word of God. We should, because of a resurrected Jesus Christ, take very seriously what Jesus said because he died and he rose and we look at that and we say, 
If you can call that shot and pull it off, then I'm going to listen to every word you say, right? If you are a guy that predicts your own death and resurrection and then you pull it off, I'm going to listen to every word you say. I'm going to take very seriously the things that you said. Because of the resurrection, we look at the words of Jesus Christ as valid, as serious, as anointed, as words that should grip our heart. So as I was studying this week, I asked the question that maybe the disciples asked that morning. Well, what else did Jesus say? What are the other words of Jesus that we should maybe take seriously? Because he rose for us, what are the things we should take seriously? And so in John 10, it says, Jesus taught, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life to the full. Those words of Jesus should grip our hearts. This is what the colonel talked to the men of the church yesterday of, as we have a faith in God, we also have a spiritual enemy. This is what Jesus is teaching us. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy would love to derail your faith. This desire that you have to follow God, the enemy, the enemy of our soul wants to come in and derail our faith to get us off track. Colonel did such a great job yesterday talking to the men. He said, sometimes it's going to be like a big thing, like a big failure or something like that. But he said, for the most part, for those of us that follow God, the number one way the enemy that can get us to veer off track is to just get us to be apathetic, to just get us to not really take seriously the word and the call of Jesus Christ on our life, right? To just get us to think, well, we're just going through life, you know, it's COVID year. There's not really anything we can do. We're just going to kind of just sit back and watch Marvel movies, and that's going to be the that's going to be our life, right? The best thing that the enemy can do is to just get all of us to not take the words of Jesus seriously when he says, there is an enemy that wants to derail you, but I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. All of us should be taking those words and think, okay, my, the goal of my life is to have abundant, full, joyful life in Jesus Christ because we take seriously every word that Jesus said. Amen? He also tells us, abide in me and you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but remain in me and all things are possible. In the Gospel of John 15, he was teaching his disciples this. These words of Jesus cause us to, to take you know, a sobering look at our life and say, is my life bearing fruit? I want my life to make a difference in the world. I want my life to bring light to those around me. I don't want to just waste my years. And it says that if I abide in him, that it's possible for me to be connected with God. And if I do that, that all things are possible, that there's nothing that I will face in this world that would be impossible for God to do. These are the words of Jesus. This is the words of the one who rose from the dead for us. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, meaning that you are called, you are empowered to do the great things that he has called you to do. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Great words of Jesus. That there's nothing that can bind you that is overpowering to the move and the freedom of God in your life right? There's nothing that binds you. No chain can bind you that the Spirit of the Lord can't break. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Jesus over and over taught his followers that he is coming back one day and that we will give an account for how we spent our lives. These are words that I take very seriously. I don't walk through my days on this earth just thinking, well, I'm just passing through. I'm just filling my days. I'm just putting in time. I walk through as a follower of Jesus, as we all should, recognizing that the words of Jesus should be taken seriously. He is coming back one day, and we will give an account for how we spent our lives one day. Now, 
just a little clarification. When we are in Christ, when we have received salvation in Jesus Christ, on that day when you stand before him, it's not a matter of whether you're going to get into heaven or not, okay? So you can rest assured, salvation in Jesus Christ, your eternity is secure. So you're not going to stand before him one day like, oh, like he's going to look through the, the, the naughty book and be like, oh, you barely passed. Like I did some of those classes in college. Like you might have made enough just to make it through, right? Your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. So we can have faith in that. You can rest assured in that. And that's through the mercy and salvation of Jesus Christ. And just a little side note, if you do not feel that way, if you've never made that decision, it is just a simple decision of Jesus, I receive your mercy, I need a Savior, come and be Lord of my life. And then your eternity is secure. I mean, that's, that's the best news of the day right there, right? But the day that we will stand before Jesus is not going to be a day of should I let you into heaven or not. It is a how did you spend your life? How did you steward what I gave you? The resources, the time, the influence that I gave you. These are the words of Jesus that he spoke to his followers. There's going to be a day where maybe like the angel said to those ladies at the tomb that Sunday morning, Jesus is going to say, I told you this was going to happen. I told you you were going to be standing here one day, and we're going to give an account. I take those words seriously. I want that to be a sobering reminder to make the most of your days to make the most of your days for the kingdom of God. So that's the first point from that that, uh, verse in Mark chapter 16. We move forward from Resurrection Sunday firmly anchored and empowered and called by the words that Jesus said, just as he said. The reason that we kind of shirk off apathy in our faith is because of the words that Jesus said. So for you individually today, just this first point, just take a moment. What are the words that Jesus has said to you? What are the things that Jesus has said to you? It might be teachings in the scripture that you read, but yet you've never really applied to your life. We should take those things seriously. Maybe it's a promise that Jesus, in a time of prayer, you really felt the Holy Spirit speaking like a a direction or a promise or a call, a specific call on your life, and you still have yet to make that step of like, yes, I'm in, I trust you, I'm going to do it, let's go. I want us to look at those things. What are the words that Jesus has spoken over your life? What are the promises of Scripture over your life that you refuse to hold on to? What is the thing that's holding you back and you refuse to apply the freedom of the Holy Spirit in your life on those things? What's an area of your life that God has been calling you to obey, a a command in Scripture that Jesus gives you that you refuse to let go of? These are the ways that we can apply this post-resurrection Jesus into our faith, that we can move forward in our faith. All the promises he gave to you are good. All the commands that he gives us in his gospels are good. We need to take seriously and remember the words of Jesus just as he told you. Amen? All right, the second thing is this. We're going to go in reverse order, that same verse. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And he'll meet you there. Now, this is more than the angel saying, okay, disciples, Jesus is going to meet you down by the quick trip. Okay? You know, like this is more than just a meeting place. The word in the Greek that's translated into that phrase, he's going ahead of you, is way more than just a he's going to meet you over here. The word, the Greek word, and I am not a Greek guy, and I don't know that anyone in the room here is, but the Greek word 
that was used in the original language is proago. Now, that word is translated into the phrase, he's going to meet you there. But that word means so much more than just a meeting place. That Greek word is the word that would have been used to describe somebody leading a group of people into something, leading a group of people forward, or a commander in an army leading the troops forward, somebody preparing a way. That's the word that is translated there. So a better way to read that verse is go and tell his disciples and Peter that Jesus is gathering you and moving you forward into Galilee, that Jesus is preparing a way for this church, this movement to move forward. He is going ahead of you, preparing the way, leading you. So that changes the meaning, doesn't it? It's way more than just, oh, we're going to see Jesus over here. It's Jesus is saying to the disciples, let's go. We're about to get started. Let's go. There is a world that needs to be reached. Let's go. I am going ahead of you. I am preparing the way. I am leading the charge. We have work to do. This is such an important thing coming off of Resurrection Sunday. This is such an important thing when we look at resurrection as not being the end of the story, but Jesus saying, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Let's go. I am with you. I am calling you. I am preparing the way, but there is work to be do, work to do. The angel is telling those ladies, tell the disciples that Jesus is alive and he is leading the way forward. This is how we need to read that. We had a really good um, business meeting, our first ever annual church business meeting. Now, you might think that and be like, that sounds terribly boring, but it was really great. It was a great night where we were able to look back over the last year, and really, there's a lot of challenges facing a lot of people in the world over the last year. A lot of churches had a lot of challenges over the last year, but we were able to look at 2020 and just rejoice in God's faithfulness, just to look at how faithful God had been providing for us the generosity of our church in resources and people serving and people coming to faith and the church growing in all sorts of great ways. There was a lot of great reports, but my favorite thing about the the business meeting was that it wasn't a, like the end of an Avengers movie where it's like, yes, we've done it. Now we can just take it easy, right? Roll credits. We've established a church. Now let's just kind of make everybody happy in the church. Throughout the whole night, there was a great feel of, okay, what's next? What's next? What's God doing next? Jesus, we're following you. We rejoice at the way you have led this church up until this point, but we recognize you've led us here for a purpose, that you have more for us to be involved in. You have more kingdom work for us to do. There is more darkness in our community that we need to go in and illuminate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the feel of that meeting being like, what's next? What's next? We're not done. This isn't a roll credits situation. This is a Jesus where are you leading us next? I love that he said that to the ladies on Resurrection Sunday. Tell the disciples, let's go. We're moving forward. I've risen. I'm preparing the way. We're moving forward. This was the message to the disciples. He actually spoke something very similar to those words just a couple of chapters before, you know, a few days before during the Last Supper when Jesus was with his disciples and they were sharing the Last Supper together. This was in Mark chapter 14. He says something that sounds very familiar to what we just read when he's talking to the disciples that night. Mark chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus talking, and he says this to the disciples. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, 
I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Again, it's that same Greek word. I will prepare the way. I will move us forward. This was a moment where, you know, just a few days before, Jesus was saying this. He's comparing it to when he dies, the sheep will be scattered. The sheep will be scattered, but I will gather them together again because of the resurrection, and we're going to move forward. This is why we never treat the resurrection or we never treat our salvation like the end of the story. Jesus is saying, you were once lost. You were once living like scattered sheep. This disciples, because of the death of Jesus, you are all scattered. But now, because of the new life we have in Christ, he is gathering us together, and he is moving us forward. So the angel at the tomb tells the disciples, just as he said this would happen, and perhaps they remembered that just a few days before Jesus had said this was going to happen. Just as he said this would happen, He's now moving us forward into Galilee, so let's go. And at that moment, Easter Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, there was no movement. The disciples had scattered. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, the disciples thought, well, this is done. This is over. They couldn't remember that he had said, We're gonna, I'm going to rise again. So there was no church. There was no movement. What launched the church of Jesus Christ was this moment where Jesus gathers the sheep again and says, now let's move forward. So what does post-resurrection life mean for you today? Are you following him as someone who is gathering his sheep together? someone who is gathering the church together and saying, let's go, let's move forward? Or are you still living like a sheep that's just kind of scattered, wandering off, just kind of doing your own thing? This is, a, this is a great reminder for us. Jesus is saying, I am leading the way for this church. We are not done. We are just getting started. Amen? We're just getting started. There is work for us to do. Post-resurrection living, post-salvation living means there's a difference in you. There is a a light in you that is impacting our world. It is a, a love that we have for people that we did not have before that impacts our world. I want us all to look at our lives. Is my life, is my faith impacting the world where I am? Because Jesus is gathering us together and moving us forward. We grow in our service. We grow in our devotion and in our love for Scripture, in our wisdom, in our love for people. This is always the call for us to keep moving forward, like a freight train that continues to push forward regardless of how annoying the whistle is on a Sunday morning. We maybe should have thought of that before we bought this building. No, I know. It's I'm trying to figure out the, the, the schedule of train. If you're watching online, a train just went through, you probably couldn't hear it. I'm, there's no rhyme or reason to when the trains go through, except for when I'm trying to preach a sermon. All right. Post-resurrection, Jesus is reaffirming the call for the disciples. He's leading you forward. So I want that to just be a, a, a challenge for all of us. How are we moving forward in our faith? Because Jesus has risen, because there is the call on your life. Now, that's the second point. Now, the third point is just in case you think that you are excluded from the call of God on your life for whatever reason. Just in case you're sitting here thinking, that all sounds good, pastor. That all sounds great, but that's for the, the devoted Christians. That's for the pastors or the staff or the leaders of the church to do. That's for the people that haven't messed up their life so much. 
Um, I'm just going to kind of hopefully just make it into heaven someday, and I'm just going to kind of put in my time until then. If that's you, and for whatever reason you think that you are excluded from this call to move forward as the church, this third point is from you, is for you. Point number three is this, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Why does the angel single Peter out there? Peter's one of the disciples. That seems a little monotonous or redundant. Well, if you know the story of Peter, you know where Peter's at this morning, right? You know what has led up to this point for the disciple Peter. So if you don't know the story, we're going to look back, chapter 14, what we were just reading a few minutes ago. That moment when Jesus at the Last Supper is saying, I will strike the sheep and the sheep will be scattered, but then I'm going to gather after, every, after I rise and I'm going to gather the sheep together and we're going to move forward. I'm going to read those verses again. Can we throw up that next scripture slide? This is that same thing. You will fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. That's what we read. And the very next words Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. And truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same thing. There was that moment where Peter was making this great declaration of faith. And if you know the story, you know what happened just a couple of hours later. And we read that in verse 66 of that same chapter. This is after Jesus was arrested and he was in front of the Sanhedrin. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls and the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself by the fire, she looked closely at him. You were, with the Naz- or you were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I, don't know, understand- I do not know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them, and he again denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses and swore to them, I do not know this man you are talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. That is a low point for Peter. Of course you would break down and weep. But then this is, you would think, this is the very thing. I just told Jesus I would never do this. And yet here I am. Maybe you're like me where there's times where you're in moments of prayer thinking, Jesus, this area of my life, I'm, I'm never doing that again. Or I'm never going to lose my temper again. Or I'm going to get victory over this life. You can count on me, Jesus. It's, you know, full throttle ahead, full devotion, nothing's ever going to trip me up. And then seconds later, you do the very thing, right? And you find yourself thinking, I just had that moment of commitment with the Lord, and yet here I am. Anyone else, right? Is that just me, right? This is Peter. And not only that, not only would he say, this is like the very thing I said I wouldn't do, and here I am doing it. But now Jesus is being crucified. In Peter's mind, this is the end of the story, This is how the final chapter of his life is being written. I deny, the very last thing Jesus is going to remember of me is that I denied him three times. This is ultimate defeat. This is Peter certainly thinking this is the end of the story. This is Peter thinking, I have failed the very way that I said I would never, 
ever fail. I have tripped over it. I have failed. Certainly I am done, and certainly I am excluded. So the fact that on that resurrection morning, the angel tells those women, go and tell the disciples, and make sure you tell Peter, right? Make sure you tell Peter that he's included in this. Make sure you tell Peter that he is part of the flock of sheep that are being gathered together. Make sure Peter knows that the disciples are being gathered together and Jesus is alive and he is moving them all forward. And Peter, make sure he knows that he is included. Make sure he knows that there is mercy and forgiveness. Make sure he knows that the call on his life is still good. Make sure that Peter knows that all the promises of Scripture still ring true for him, even though he messed up. This is the best news for us today, right? For those of us who are not perfect, maybe a few of us in the room that are not perfect, that Jesus says, make sure you tell all the followers of Jesus at Homestead, including each of you individually, that I, Jesus, am moving this church forward and there is a spot for you. There is a call on your life that you are anointed and called and empowered to change the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And you might think, I have messed up so many times. The very thing that I told Jesus I would get victory over, I keep tripping over. And Jesus says, well, you're included. Make sure that you individually know that you are part of this. I love that it was, make sure Peter hears this. Because he's probably feeling really far out. He's probably thinking, great, well, I'm sure the rest of the disciples will do great things, but I've blown it. I've messed up. Make sure he knows there is healing and a new start in Jesus Christ. So that was the third point from those verses on Resurrection Sunday. That we can trust that Jesus, every word that Jesus said is good. That that's what anchors our life that we trust that he is moving ahead with us, that he is preparing the way for us. And we can trust because of what we read today that there is a spot for you, no matter what you've done, no matter what brought you into this place today, for us to be part of this movement that Jesus is moving forward. So as we wrap up this series, that question that kind of anchored this whole series, who is Jesus, who is this? Well, who is he to you? today, post-resurrection, post-salvation, if you're a follower of Jesus, what does that mean for you? How are you moving forward in your faith? Do you have a faith in him? What impact does this resurrection have on you moving forward? Do you trust him as he leads your life? Do you take the words of Jesus seriously and apply them to your life? I will go into all the world. I will love others. I will serve others and consider others better than myself. I will have fullness of joy. I will walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ because we take seriously the words of Jesus. Amen? Do we surrender ourselves to his commands and his lordship? Is there a step that he has asked you to take that for whatever reason you refuse to just take that step? Today is a challenge. He is leading you forward. We take seriously the call of God on our life. And finally, do you feel as though you are excluded because you've just messed up too many times? The thing that you vowed to never do again, you keep tripping over. And you think, surely Jesus must be done with me by now. Well, Jesus is here today saying, make sure that you know that you're involved that you are a part of this, that there is space for you. So as a church and as individuals, I want us to move forward into a new season. We've experienced, you know, it's been, what, nine months since we moved into this building, and it's been a challenge that's been 
you know, lots of things in our world that are challenging, but we've seen God do some amazing things, right? And hopefully we can see that in our own hearts and we see that collectively. There's new people joining us and there's ministry to kids and teenagers and all of these things. And so collectively as a church, as we move forward, let's allow this faith that we have in a risen Savior who is calling us to impact our world. To, to resonate in our hearts. Let's allow that great commission that we have been given to ring true for us. We are not here just putting in time, but Homestead Church is here to make a difference in this community and around the world. But also as individuals, just take a moment right now and just think, okay, well, what, is, what am I doing with this faith? Post-resurrection, what am I doing? Am I living like a sheep that's just kind of still scattered and just wandering around? Am I, am I like Peter if, if I failed and messed up and I never came back to follow Jesus? just kind of went back to his old life, boy, what a waste that would have been. But maybe some of us are living our lives like that, just putting in time. Allow a resurrected Jesus to call you forward, to refer, reaffirm that call on your life. We are forgiven. He can be trusted. There is new life. There is a work and a call and a commission for each of us. So it might be just a, a, a time where we reaffirm this desire for, to, for us to spend time in the Word or spend time in prayer. How do we abide in God so that our life would bear fruit? We spend time in prayer. We spend time worshiping Him with other people like this today. We, we spend time reading the Word. Maybe that's the takeaway for you today. Maybe it is, how can a resurrected Jesus impact how I view my, my week this week? Um, you're going, maybe you're going into school, maybe you're going into a workplace. I know for a lot of us it's, well, work is down in the basement and I log on and I work from home, or maybe that's school for a lot of us. You know, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit wonky this year with COVID and everything, but there is still influence that we have in our world. It could be just when you go to the store and impact somebody, you, you meet somebody. Maybe you still are going to a workplace. The reason God has for you there, that, that call that he gave to the disciples, I'm preparing a way, I'm leading this thing forward. That is you in your position of influence. That is you in your workplace or in your school. Students, you are in school to learn and to, to, to do well in all your studies and get your homework done. And all the parents said amen. But you're also there because God said you are there as a light. And it doesn't mean that you have to walk around with billboards and all those things. It is, you're just there bringing the presence of God. You are there for a purpose. I know that's what Pastor Steve and Brooks say all the time. Your stu students, your life is not just to put in time, to make it through. You are there bringing the light of Jesus Christ wherever you go, that God has a plan for your life, no matter how young you are. Kids, you might be going to school. you got to remember this. You're there because God is going with you. He is preparing the way. He is moving his church forward through you. And that applies to all of us in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go. So I want us to remember this is why we are here. He is moving us forward because we have work to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thanks, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your word. We thank you that you are alive, that you did not stay in the grave. You rose again so that we could be gathered to you and move forward. We thank that you lead the way. We're so thankful that you prepare the way for us that you go with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, that we can bear fruit in our lives as we stay connected with you, and that everything we need, you have provided. So, Lord, we walk in strength, with victory, with freedom, with joy today, knowing that this is what it means to follow a resurrected Jesus Christ. So I pray that you would anchor that truth in our hearts today, that you would stir our hearts for the things of God, that we would make a difference in the lives that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...
Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today to Homestead Church. We're so glad you're with us. Have a